0: The Real Estate Board of New York's annual gala, back up and running after a pandemic hiatus, has legendary status on the city's real estate industry calendar. The awards, the honours and the speeches are almost secondary to the power networking, where relationships are cemented, deals are done and information is traded. I'm Miriam Hall, this is BizNow Reports, coming to you from the Rebney Gala for this episode. It's far from smooth sailing in real estate at the moment, to put it lightly. Soaring rates, slow return to office, and in recent days, news that many of the governor's housing proposals, including the extension of a key tax break, do not appear to be moving ahead. The complexities in the market, the uncertainty and the politics are all front of mind this evening.
1: Mary-Ann Tai, CEO, Tri-State Region CBRE. I think there's great happiness about getting back together again it's been such a challenging time and I think that there's just the energy hasn't been there in the market in general and I think the idea of sort of supporting one another is what revenue is about Um, and I think on that basis people were looking forward to being here tonight
2: what is dragging things down do you think just the return failure to return to the office? Well, you know,
1: I, I tend to think, actually, um, a lot of people are telling me that New York is doing better than any of the other major cities in the United States with return to the office. I found this fascinating, just as the expression you're giving me is exactly what I'm hearing, because, um, and I heard this from a Blackstone person, it's that San Francisco, Seattle, um, Washington, D.C., Chicago, bad. And that, in fact, we're doing better and the energy in the street is completely there. Our challenge is the capital markets now. That's really, and you covered this on a previous, several previous podcasts, and I I can tell you that it's, even the best capitalized owners are facing the challenge of what it's going to mean uh, to their asset, because it's such an enormous jump. Uh, in carry costs and everybody got comfortable where they were and it happened faster than I ever you know on one hand everybody knew it was coming someday but I don't think anybody thought the acceleration was going to be as quite as fast as it's been
2: what are the conversations like when you're talking to people in the industry like what sorts of advice or information are people trying to seek from someone
1: like you I think that what they're looking at uh, with me first of all first and foremost they're looking for tenants But once they are looking at, for tenants, the dialogue is about how much capital it's going to take for that tenant to build out their space, what their expectations are going to be for improvements to the building. Because as we know, if your building is well amenitized, great infrastructure, it's leased up. I mean, I, I'm in the final stages, I think, of doing 550 Madison Avenue at amazing rents, mm-hmm. and. What it took was for everybody to see that it was done, and that the market wants to see, they want to see the result, but it's also a question of laying out the capital before you're certain of the income stream. Now, a great, uh, well-capitalized owner like Oleon can do it, but that's not typical of, of New York City. And also, the scale of the loans are so enormous, and that's part of the complexity as well.
2: So there must be a lot of people who feel very nervous.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would, I would say that. that is it. Actually, if you said, what is the tone of the market throughout, I would say nervous is a very good characterization.
2: Nervous, nervous, more nervous than they've ever been before? I mean, this isn't the worst,
1: this isn't the first time we've had a tough time in New York. No, it's it's different. I, I, I have to say, um, the um, post 9-11 was uh, nervous in a completely different way. Was anyone ever coming back? Was anyone, uh, was the city going to recover? How long would it take for the wounds to heal, so that was a very dark period. But strangely enough, um, we could see our way to the other side. I mean, you know what? I'm thinking about what I'm saying, and suddenly I realized that hindsight is an exact science. <laughs> and now it all looks manageable. I'm sure it didn't feel good. It at didn't the time. <laughs> feel good at the time, and certainly it didn't feel good in 2008 and 2009 either. And the problem now is just that we're still in the midst, and. While we can feel some heartbeat and certainly anything, any new construction, any really uh, wonderfully redeveloped building with had good bones to start with, the market is embracing. And there are segments of the market that are coming back to the office in force and, and I mean, the financial service folks, they're not having a chat about it. No, I mean, you saw what JP Morgan did the other day. God bless him. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to build a building that's costing billions of dollars and that will be something dazzling, he's very right to say, I built this thing so that we could all be together. And I don't mean via Zoom. Zoom.
2: Did you think it was going to take this long? I mean, honestly, did you think we'd be having this conversation in 2023?
1: No, I think I think that the, the pandemic was a, 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 a sequence of surprises. Mm-hmm.
2: What are you? Um, what's the biggest thing on your mind? Like, are, are there people you want to chat to tonight? As they are there deals you looking at? So I, I
1: have to admit, I am interested in seeing a number of our politicians tonight, and my and my focus is really on what's happening in Albany and it's and Albany's failure to recognize what the industry needs, and I don't just mean in commercial space, I mean in residential as well. I think that what is going on is so counterproductive to what the city needs in, on so many levels that I, I, I want to hear from smart people because I, I believe Andre Stewart-Cousins is smart. Um, I know that from the city council, Rafael Salamanco, who heads the land use, is smart. I want to find out, what am I missing? Because you're bright. You know we can't can't do this without real help from the political realm.
2: Do you think that, um, I mean, Real Estate was very supportive of
1: Eric Adams. Do you think that support's still there? Absolutely. I, I have to say, I think every statement and instinct the mayor has is right. What he hasn't yet figured out is had to cajole Albany, and I have a feeling that if he could do that, he could get much of the council to move along with him because he does have good connectivity there. And by the way, he's also got some very strong borough presidents. I think Mark Levine, um, I think um, do- Donovan Richards, I think these people are leaders. And I think he knows how, having been a borough president himself, he knows how to, like, marshal the troops to do it. No, I think the problem is that Albany gives everybody an excuse to go in another direction. And that's that's his, been his challenge. But no, I think we're there for the mayor.
2: And last year, um, Kathy Hoker was here and she said that she was you know, going to support real estate. Yeah, yeah. Did, that, did that, that didn't happen,
1: right? <laughs> well, you know, I think her, uh, the she situation tried. of,
3: hmm. Mm, um,
1: you didn't look impressed. Yeah. Let, me, let me say it this way. I don't understand the point of power if you don't know how to use it. I don't know how you give raises and don't get anything in return other than a stadium funding in Buffalo. Um, and if you'll forgive me, but $600 million for a stadium is nothing compared to everything else we need. So I think that we're looking for a demonstration that the governor, who I believe is completely well-intentioned, has figured out how to use, I mean, um, She sat, you know, next to Andrew Cuomo, and you can know this, Andrew Cuomo knew how to wield power, and he knew how, when he focused on an agenda, how to get, if not all of it, a big part of it through. So, while there are things I'm sure she'd like to change from that administration, I I do think um, we need more from her than she's demonstrated thus far.
0: There were $2.2 billion worth of investment sales across 108 properties in New York in the first quarter of the year. And that means 2023 is set to be the slowest year since 2009. And the deals that are happening are
4: harder to get across the line. Hi, James Nelson, Principal and Head of Tri-State Investment Sales for Avis & Young. I mean, um, unfortunately, it it seems like it might get worse before it gets better. Um, We're just coming out with some statistics on the drop of land sales since 421 expired. It's staggering. And, you know, everyone's still kind of looking at our pipeline that has been built up from the past couple of years. I don't have to tell you all how challenging uh, the capital markets have been and to finance new development. So, uh, you know, unfortunately... Uh, our politicians might not realize many of them until a couple of years from now where we're saying, okay, where's, where's all the no, new projects, right? So um, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but it, it might have to get worse before it gets better.
2: That is not a, that is not a positive. Well, you're so, uh, yeah, so positive. You're being so positive. I know, look, I mean. If you're negative, Things must be really right. bad. Well, we,
4: we could talk about office to residential conversions. Yeah, Everybody loves that yeah, topic. Yeah. And hopefully we are headed in that right direction as well. But again, something that's very complicated, and you have to have the right zoning and the right floor plates, but again pricing and incentives. And we looked at the last 78 office buildings that have sold in Manhattan since COVID, and only four of them have been converted to residential. So what it would tell me is that whatever incentives and whatever we're doing are not enough yet to incentivize the private sector to take that risk. It's a lot of risk to outlay that capital to make the conversion. But there's certainly the potential there. I mean, if you look at 20% 20% available office space, 100 million square feet, and we have a need for 530,000 units by 2030, that should seem obvious that that could be the solution.
2: Kira wrote the other day about the office, uh, sorry, the investment sales market, and it is um, very quiet.
4: We knew it was going to be uh, rough news, but yeah, I mean, the first qu- quarter of this year, investment sales were off 50% over the trailing four quarters, four dollar volume. Now the number of transactions a little better in the 36% range off. But nothing
2: right? big is selling, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So, but we're still, I mean, we're still active selling. You know, a lot of cash buyers, a lot of foreign buyers. So I think they see this is an opportunity where a lot of the competition's on the sidelines right now. A lot of the big institutions are saying we're going to wait and see. I mean, this is the time to be looking for opportunity
2: are you getting deals across the line at the moment
4: it's all hands on deck I mean the days of just you know hitting send on an e-blast That's and hoping people show up that used yeah. to
2: happen right there, there were good times yeah, but good I mean day. you gotta
4: pick up the phone and you gotta you have to make the case and and have people understand why I think we also really try to do a good job of qualifying who our seller is because look if you're a discretionary seller you're probably not selling today you have to have a reason and maybe it's to be opportunistic i'm going to sell here and i'm going to trade into something larger or hey maybe i've got challenges over all my portfolio so i'm gonna you know sell some of the lesser assets to stabilize the, the ones that you want to keep but there's got to be real reason real motivation and then i think the broker's job is to price it appropriately because there's a lot of stuff out there that sits so we actually say a no to a lot of assignments, you know, we want to price things right where they're actually going to trade.
2: So you're the bearer of bad news for a lot of people. Just realistic. You know? Realistic it's, news. It's a, that sounds bad to me. No, it's just
4: reporting the facts. And You know, there's definitely positives out there as well. It's not all tough. I mean, retail has been amazing to watch the, the comeback and the streets coming back to life. and. Yeah, so there's certainly opportunities out there. It's very selective and it can be when there's the right opportunity where a seller says, look, I will sell at a market clearing price and that is happening right now. We have a lot of clients who are calling saying we need to transact now. We've got a loan coming due in a couple months like this needs to happen. Can you clear it? And if we price it at that level, yes, there are buyers who are ready to step up and strike. And so the, those are the type of opportunities we're getting a lot of activity. So. I, I hope that the second quarter, I, I think there's only one direction to go at this point.
3: Hi, I'm Leslie Himmel of Himmel and Maringoff Properties. I am one of the founding members. Parts of our world feel really good. I think there's an excitement in restaurants, in retail. The streets feel really good. I think um, office actually feels better. So I think our challenges are more in a macro view than, than, than on the micro
2: are you looking to buy this year? What sorts of? What's the business strategy?
3: We're actually looking to keep our buildings full and manage our debt portfolio. And of course, we're always looking to buy. Uh, we're, we really believe in New York City. We have a few industrial properties in the boroughs that are doing really quite well. Um, we have the good fortune, uh, you know, Marion Ty, who's right there, is being honored tonight. Her team was our leasing agent for 525 West 57. Made that into a life science building. And so we really invested in, in our properties. And in that building we were uh, worked really hard for a few years and landed Mount Sinai. But having had been through this in the early 90s, I feel I can see light at the other side of this tunnel. But it, indeed, it feels a bit like a tunnel. Andrea
5: Hemmel, Hemmel and Mergoth Properties, Chief Investment Officer and Principal. So we're fighting the good fight. It's a challenging time, but I think, you know, I was trained as a value investor, and this is kind of the time that you get really excited and, you know, think about where the opportunities are to be creative and, you know, really build long-term value in the business. Don't
2: give away any secrets, I know, but where would you say those creative opportunities are?
5: You know, I think a lot of properties may not have equity, left in them and so inevitably you have to take a stance and look at the debt. For us it, it's just focusing on what we know best mm-hmm. and maybe being a little more selective this time around as far as you know what you're really valuing in a property or a portfolio and um, being able to find high quality properties that are really, really leasable. I think that's the case, leaseability.
0: It wasn't all negative talk, though. There are some bright spots. Retail, a very battered sector, has been picking up, apparently. Rents are improving, and spaces are leasing.
6: Jason Moore, Executive Vice President of National Urban Retail at Brookfield Properties. I oversee our retail portfolio um, on the high street nationally.
2: And what number revenue is this for you?
6: Oh, wow, it's a good question. (laughs) Um, Not counting the ones that were missing. First one was probably 2004, 2005, so we're probably getting close to 20 of them.
2: Wow, so you've seen um, what, what, two cycles then would you say?
6: I would say two cycles, yes.
2: How would you compare this moment to previous moments? I mean, previous revenues, like even last year, it feels very different.
6: It feels very different from last year. I mean, certainly from a retail perspective, 2022 was a great year for us. And I think now that we're well past the first quarter of 2023, we're very happy and fortunate that retail demand continues to be strong and the market uh, continues to feel really healthy. So it's a nice moment in time for retail. We certainly earned it over the past few years.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I keep hearing good things about retail after years of terrible news about retail.
6: Yeah, it's funny, you know, you, you make a comment about cycles, and this is now, I've probably seen two, maybe three of them, and, you know, we went through a pretty rough patch over the past couple of years, and I think there is an element of pent-up demand that builds, um, and we're fortunate to own fantastic assets, and I think the flight to quality has been very uh, sincere, and we've been the beneficiaries of that.
2: How's it going on Bleaker Street? Remember you bought all those, those buildings, and um, they were sort of, it was like a rescue of the, of the street. What's uh, happening there?
6: I do remember. Um, Leaker Street has been a great success story for us. Uh, we bought um, seven storefronts there and then embarked on a plan to figure out how we can make the block and particular assets feel healthier. And we were able to fill the spaces over some time on some shorter term deals with some great tenants. The block got healthier and I'm happy to say that at this point we are fully leased.
2: That is really incredible considering what it was like at one point. It was like a ghost town. It was
6: a ghost town. Um, demand has been incredibly strong.
2: Is Brookfield going to be buying more retail?
6: Um, I would expect that we'll be net acquirers over time. So okay. yes.
2: Where? What's What's interesting?
6: It's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't have the exact answers as to where right now. But I would say it would probably continue to be in top-flight assets and the primary shopping corridors, um, where we've continued to and will continue to enjoy success.
2: How do you feel, though? I know you, you focus on retail, but the general environment is not positive at the moment. Very low investment sales, very high interest rates, general uncertainty. How does that kind of float through to your side of the business?
6: Being at Brookfield, fortunately, and the office platform that we're on, 95% of our property um, is either trophy or class A office building. So I think we'll continue to be the beneficiaries even in more challenging markets.
1: Robin Abrams, I'm vice chairman at Compass. I focus on retail leasing.
2: You know, I keep hearing retail is doing well. It's a positive story with retail, not so much everything else, but retail. It must be must be good news for you. It's very good news.
1: Yes, we're excited. We're executing some. Uh, long-term deals finally with some uh, good tenants including some fashion tenants that are back in the market
2: what's it been like kind of navigating this period of time where it feels like things are getting better
5: but they're not but it's a weird kind of experience right listen we kept busy for the last few years during the pandemic assisting a lot of our tenants doing
1: some mitigation doing short-term deals testing the market and i think that now they're back in the market
5: consumer confidence is up sales are up and tenants are executing. How are the rents? I mean, rents are increasing, which is good and bad news. I think that there were a lot of tenants that were opportunistic and did do deals when rents were more flexible. Now that there's more absorption of space, the rents are increasing. They're
1: still not equivalent to their all-time high pre-pandemic, but they are probably
5: in excess of what they were when we had a softening market even before the pandemic. My name is Helena Durst. I work at the Durst organization and I'm a principal at the Durst organization. I mean, I think the city's doing really well. Residential has never been stronger, industrial has never been stronger, and there's a flight to quality on office. And so we're seeing that the office market is really strong because now companies are looking at how to value employees and how to maximize the employee's time and use in a space.
0: Samantha Rudin and I'm executive vice president at Rudin Management. I agree and 100 percent, 100 percent, and I think it's a being creative and seeing new opportunities and re-looking at how things have been done in the past and how they can be done differently. And as Helena said, on the residential side it's very strong and there are a lot of opportunities on the commercial side to reimagine how
2: things are being done. You guys mentioned how good residential is at the moment, um, but we're also in a
5: housing crisis. Are you concerned about how that's going to affect the city? absolutely very concerned about it and new york state needs to be able to bring back affordable housing financing program as quickly as possible i think we're going to continue to see this increase on rent and which is not good for the city quality of life means being able to have enough money to be able to pay your rent and be able to pay for your food
2: you know um durst at one point was moving away planning
5: to move away move more
2: into philadelphia because of 421a is that still the case
5: we still have our development in Philadelphia and what we're seeing in New York is still still true in Philadelphia as it relates to increasing cost of construction. And this is what makes development very difficult is the increasing cost of construction, which is why we need to have more affordable housing financing programs that allow for mixed income to be able to live in the same building.
2: Why do you think things are going so badly on the political front in regards to getting housing policies through?
5: I think it's a really complicated question as to why the narrative about developers being able to work in concert with community members as well as politicians to be able to derive good, affordable housing programs that allow things to be built, also that allow individuals to live together.
2: What do you think, Samantha?
0: I agree and I think, you know, it's really about everyone working together to, you know, the health and wellness of the city and its people. I mean, all of it needs to work together as an ecosystem, otherwise no one's going to be successful.
2: Thank you, ladies. Thank, Thank you, you so you much. You so much. You it was so lovely to chat. chat. Yeah, we're listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Yeah, I love your dresses
0: as well. Real estate has had big hopes for politicians this year, but so far very little that they've hoped for is actually being delivered. In the days leading up to tonight's event, it became pretty clear that Governor Kathy Hochul's housing plans were going to be largely rejected by the state legislature. The 421A tax break is not expected to be in the budget, nor changes to allow more conversions of office buildings into residential, or an increase to floor area ratio in New York City. The state-based housing vouchers and good cause eviction are also reportedly out too. And in his speech tonight, Mayor Eric Adams said getting a housing deal done in Albany was critical.
7: Jim Whalen, I'm the president of the Real Estate Board of New York. You know, it's it's an industry that drives itself on personal connections. Um, so it was a great environment for people to get together, reconnect, um, you know, talk about the future, talk about the present, deals, how life is going. Uh, so it was a very good dynamic.
2: There's a lot going on in the city, and I I have to bring up the big issue on the table right now, which is the housing policies that appear to not be moving forward. Uh, Can we say that? The housing policies that is in front of the state legislature?
7: You know, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, I I do want to take a step back. Uh, You know, I even said this in my remarks. There are some things that are going well. Um, You know, we elected a mayor who was focused on the crime issue, public safety uh, and he's thrown himself into it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he and his team. And they're showing results. That's what the data shows. Um, and, you know, I think uh, the public needs to recognize that. And I think it's going to be of great benefit to the city in a variety of perspectives, including economically moving forward. You know, To get back to your question, um, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, housing is an area where the city really relies on the decision of, state lawmakers as to how matters proceed and you know I don't think it's any coincidence that in the last few years the state legislature has made a series of decisions and our housing crisis continues to get worse Um, and these last few days have been a perfect illustration of poor decision-making by the state legislature that I think is a combination of far-left ideology a uh, nice healthy dose of NIMBYism and a lack of appreciation for economics and math.
2: How was the Governor able to get this done, do you think? What is, what is going wrong? You
7: know, it's, it's important to keep in mind that while the position of New York Governor is a powerful one, it's not a dictatorship. Um, and actually when you analyze New York State Government compared to other governments throughout the country, Um, the legislature has considerable power Um, and you know when it comes to housing at least uh, and it's my view although I think it's being borne out by the way things are playing out in the rental housing market and you know things are only going to get worse uh, legislative leaders are making some poor decisions
2: what's going to be your approach with the with the state government going forward as the chief lobby group for the industry Because what you're you're doing maybe hasn't worked so far. I don't know. Uh, You
7: know, you you need to keep in mind that, you know, there's a a difference between advocacy organizations like ourselves um, versus decision makers. Um, You know, our responsibility is to go to them with the facts and make the case, seeking to work with others. Um, You know, we've been doing that. Um, If it's in areas like housing where we've been working with 32BJ and parts of the building trades... Um, you know, on some other issues like lifting the 12 FAR cap and office conversions, there's been much broader coalitions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, s- state legislative leaders have made choices in terms of what they're advocating for, um, which would result in a perpetuation of programs mm-hmm. like they've done in the past. I mean, let's talk about Honda, mm-hmm. right? It was a very well-intentioned program. It was the idea of bringing in nonprofits. Mm-hmm. To take over hotels, um, to provide supportive services—good ideas, very important ideas. You know that the state legislators who are involved, Mike Gianaris, Brian Kavanaugh—they decided not to do outreach to folks like ourselves who have members who do this type of work, who probably could have given them insight. You know that they make those choices—is it ideology? Is it politics? But what we know as a fact is. That program has produced no results. Um, You know, I think complete
2: waste of time, is it not?
7: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it's it's really kind of stunning. Um, And I got to be frank. You know, I think uh, the media and others really need to hold them accountable for that. And and you know, the inside baseball when it comes out in terms of the way these last few weeks have played out in Albany, uh, when it comes to these housing issues, what you're going to see is the legislature perpetuating that behavior. Um, staking out positions that are not rooted in economic reality that are influenced by a far-left behavior or, or trying to prevent housing from being produced in all different corners of the city including fair you know might be fair to say sort of wealthy more exclusive areas of Manhattan but you know at the end of the day all that's going to happen is the city's housing crisis is going to get worse, rents are going to go up, um, it's going to be harder and harder to find a new place to live, and uh, you know, let's see if the legislature decides to take a different approach.
2: Do you have any faith that something might get done this, this legislative session?
7: As the budget um, gets done and it moves into the legislative session, the legislature has more power. And given the way they've handled housing issues recently as well as in the past, I have a high degree of confidence that nothing productive will happen.
0: You can see photos of our coverage on our website. I've put a link to the story in the show notes. I'm Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening.